Yeah, I just want to mention a few dads before we move on in the service. I uh, went by this week to see Doug Saul. Yeah, I guess Doug, he's 92, I believe. And uh, has some health issues. It's not driving anymore. And he said, just let the people know I love them. I probably won't make it back out there. But uh, just ask us to pray for him. So I said, I will let the people know. And I know they'll be glad to hear from you. And then there is another man, Juan Weatherly, who's been a member of this church a very long time. and Kind of lost touch with Juan and went up to his house. I'm banging on the door trying to figure out how to get a hold of him. Uh, even had trouble kind of getting a hold of some of the family. So I went to the dump yesterday, take my trash, and lo and behold was one of his children. And they said to me, he just can't hear anything. So, you know, he just doesn't doesn't know you're there. So just thinking about Juan as well. Remember him in prayer. Uh, I guess Juan's in his 90s as well, or right there knocking on the door if he's not there. <laughs> so uh, remember him. And then a uh, couple more. Man, uh, let's remember Jeff. Yay, Jeff. Man, I tell you what, I heard the baby didn't sleep good last night. And if there's such a thing as church credit, you guys deserve a little of the credit, you know. So thanks. And then Johnny as well. Logan told me the kids are sick, and so he's having to pull out the dad card and use it on Father's Day, watching the little ones. And just grateful for, for all the dads. So our scripture reading is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. So I will ask if you'll stand our God's honor. As I read from the text, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. Visit us, speak to us, minister to us, Lord. We have worshipped you through prayer and song and our giving. And Father, we ask you continue to move among us, Lord, because we need you. So, Lord, we cry out to you, help us. In Christ's name we pray. I want to say a word, not which I really appreciate the way Amber led into that, fatherly figures, because there are a lot of men who have impacted me in my life besides my earthly dad, and so I am grateful for that. And I think of some men, for different reasons, have not had the opportunity to be a dad. Maybe they want to be a dad or a granddad. Maybe it's because they're just not able to have children. Maybe it's because there is something uh, divisive that keeps them from being with their children, seeing them. And so I want to be sensitive to those dads this morning, whether you're here in person or you're listening, or those wannabe dads who would prefer to be dads, but it wasn't in God's plan. 
I want to thank you. Because godly men are so vital. You can't put a price on on a godly man. Especially in this culture that tends to demean men or look at them as a joke or worthless. You're anything but. I want to share with you a scripture. This could be another sermon. I'll try not to be one of those preachers that's preaching about three sermons at the same time and you're trying to figure out which one I'm preaching at that moment. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Uh, Dads, um, guard your family. There is a lot of stuff going on these days. And your family needs you. Needs you to, to guard. To stand guard for the family. Be men of courage. <laughs> sometimes it's hard because inside we're all little boys. And sometimes we don't want to be strong. But it's part of our call. And that goes for all men, whether you are literally a father or you are a fatherly figure. That there needs to be strong, courageous men. And we are to do that in love. What we do, even if it doesn't look lovely, it may be tough words, but it may be needed because that's what love requires. So now that I've got that out of the way, let me talk about another man, another dad, named Sylvester Graham, who actually has made a significant contribution to our society and our country, and Maybe like me, you hadn't heard of him. He only lived to be 57 years old, and he was a Presbyterian pastor. But what Sylvester was most known for was he was a fiery preacher. And what he really loved to preach against was strong drink. He wanted to get the drunks off the street. And his answer, strangely enough, was not the gospel, this is where I believe old Sylvester missed it, even though he was a Presbyterian preacher. But man, he was into nutrition, and especially wheat flour. He thought that, man, the way to cure an alcoholic is to get him off of meat and get him some good solid vegetables, and especially some wheat flour. Stay off of that other kind of flour. It'll lead you toward alcoholism or lead you to be a drunk on the street and so man he began to preach about what you eat that was his message as a matter of fact he he became known uh, later as uh, wheat flour became synonymous in the boston area where he preached as graham flour he became known as the poet of brand Bread and pumpkins. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because the scripture says, uh, as Paul writes to Timothy, he says, taking care of your body does have some value, but godliness has value in all things. And so his passion, his flair, you got to have that graham flour. That'll get you off the strong drink. That'll get you off the street. That'll get your lives right. One time, man, there was a crowd that was so mad at him because they wanted their meat and they wanted just some good old baked goods 
led by some of the bakeries in Boston that came to protest against Sylvester Graham as he preached the good news of vegetarianism and wheat flour, and they dumped some boiling water on the heads and dispersed the crowd. He escaped because it was a dangerous time. So all of this preaching, what did it lead to that was significant? You say, well, man, he didn't preach the gospel. He is the inventor of the graham cracker. Now listen, I do like graham crackers. Man, I like to put whipped cream on them, peanut butter, jelly, and I will stop because I might go on and think of some other things to stick on some graham crackers. And whereas graham crackers do have some value, it's not a substitute, certainly for the gospel. So what do we want to be remembered for? My guess is it's got something to do with somebody, a relationship, somebody you care about, not something, but someone. To be a, and guys, to be a kind of dad, not that you are always liked, but they know you really do care about them, that you really do love them, and that that's significant. Now, some of us will never be cool, uh, you know, maybe a couple of things that might help is next time you go to the pool and you're wearing shorts or, or, you know, a bathing suit, you don't need to wear black socks that come up to your knees. And it might help to go ahead and get rid of some of the hairs that no longer are growing on your head but out your ears and out your nose. And I say that as I thought of that, I, I actually, I'm just confessing, I got in front of the mirror and I looked and had to trim a few hairs that run away on me. Uh... And the other thing I'll admit, as a prideful thing, I don't normally wear knee-high black socks with my shorts. But there was a day I thought, man, I've been through it. I want to be one of those dads, so I put on my black socks. Just a rebellion thing. As far as I know, I'm over that. But I want to look at this scripture. Actually, the title, I didn't even outline, because the title's right there. And the first word is wandering. Sylvester Graham was really wandering. Yeah, he did give us the graham cracker, but he really didn't have a significant ministry with the gospel. He kind of missed the whole point of what the people really needed. More than having something tasty, they needed to taste that the Lord is good. And, and they missed that. You know, it's interesting, as you look down through Genesis 5, you've got a list of a lot of people. And... Basically, you, you get a name of a guy, and it tells you how long he lived, and it tells you he is the father of, and then it might say he had other sons and other daughters. But you don't really know anything about most of those people. There's only two names. One is the guy we're talking about now, Enoch, and the other is Noah. There's just a sentence mentioned about Noah. But everybody else, you, it just says they're the father of, and then it mentions they had children mentions their family and, and I thought about that and I thought you know we really don't know what goes on in each other's lives we really know very little about each other we often don't really know much about the struggles that each person is going through or the toughness that each dad is facing and oftentimes people even people that are in church they spend years wandering, and even though they're at church, they haven't found Christ. 
Christ. They don't really know the depth of the love of God that is found in the work of Jesus Christ. They don't really hear that. They don't discover it. You know the old saying, uh, I heard the gospel and 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 praise God one day I heard the gospel. You know where it came through. Jesus said, this is recorded in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Many out there who are wandering. Now, the next word, waking. Something woke him up. Now, it's interesting because, like I said, you know, you have this um, typical pattern where we give the name and, and we say he became the father of. And this happened once again, as we see in verse 22 of our text. And after he became the father of Methuselah. It mentions that he became a dad. Then he walked with God. Something clicked. Now, he spent 64 years before the 65th year where it doesn't mention him walking with God. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. My guess is that there was a certainly a time frame in there, whether it was 64 years or not, because the, the truth is we don't naturally walk with God because we naturally walk alone because we think about ourselves all the time and don't have room for God. God usually has to do something to shake us up, to get our attention, and to change our stinking thinking. And in this case, I believe it was the birth of this new life. You see, the new life... Made him think about his life. Why am I here? What do I do, God? This is scary. To have this new life and I'm responsible for this little one in my life. You see, the, the question is, um, there's a relationship there and We'll have a relationship there. What kind of relationship will it be? And it's true also the relationship with God. Well, do we have a relationship with God? And will our child have a relationship with God? Yeah, he'll have a relationship, but it might be a lack of a relationship is the relationship, nothing that's really there. And so the question really is not, Will your children develop spiritually, but how will they develop spiritually? Will it be a spiritual life that is dead because they don't know Jesus? They don't know the forgiveness that comes in God? And one way they see, and one significant way that children learn, is by watching mom and dad. It's part of the leadership responsibility of a dad. And certainly we can't do that without God working in our lives. Uh, one commentator had wrote about uh, a newspaper account I'm going to share with you. He said, uh, this is about a 13-year-old boy who saved his brother's life by driving him to a hospital in his father's car. He had never driven before. His explanation was simple. I just did what I saw my father do. He was asked, how did you know how to drive a car? I'd watched my father and just did what I saw him do. Why did you refuse to argue with that neighbor when he said some unkind things? I just did what I saw my father do. 
Why'd you get mad and throw your wrench at the lawnmower? I just did what I saw my father do. Why'd you get those adult channels on cable TV? I just did what I saw my father do. Why'd you stick it out in the difficult job day after day? I just did what I saw my father do. Why'd you give the clerk back the money when he gave you too much change? Why'd you teach third grade boys even when your sons had grown and gone? Why'd you pray and thank God for good times and bad? I just did what I saw my father do. So here was a new dad holding a new baby by the name of Methuselah. And it changed, it changed him. And that leads to that third word. <laughs> he began to walk with God. There's a number of scriptures in the New Testament that speak about walking with God. Hebrews 11.5, it actually tells us that Enoch pleased God. How did he please him? Well, the next verse, which you may be familiar with, verse 6 of Hebrews 11, it tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone who does not believe that he exists and that does not seek him, they don't know God. That's required to walk with him. Faith and seeking him by faith. Another verse, Romans 6, 4, it tells us to walk in newness of life. Not how you were before you met the living God, the Savior, the Redeemer, but to walk that new life, not, not the old way. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, walk by faith, not by sight. We are to walk in a trust for God and not leaving God out. Um, Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You want to do the right thing? It means just saying, God, fill me with your Spirit and help me, because otherwise I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the wrong thing, not the right thing, to walk by the Spirit. Uh, you're not going to get the power to obey God by a whole wheat vegetarian diet, but by being filled with the very Spirit God. Walking with God doesn't mean you necessarily sin less often, but it does mean you confess more quickly because you seek Him and you run to Him. It tells us in Ephesians 5 2 to walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. It tells us in 1 John 1, 5-7, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. It says, if we say we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 4, it says that there will be a day where we will walk with God in garments of white completely made whole. Kent Hughes, in his commentary, said that there are three things that are needed to walk together. The first is that you have to share a common place, a destination. Well, let's say, like me, you love ice cream. Praise God. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, brothers and sisters. 
uh, well, let's say part of you say, I want to go to Dairy Queen. And then you got a stubborn person like me that thinks of this place in my hometown called Piggies. Oh, man, Piggies. They have a chocolate shake. Uh-oh, I'm about to have an ice cream intermission, you know, thinking about it. Uh, so, you know, some of you guys head toward Dairy Queen. Uh, somehow I managed to inspire some of you to head with me to Piggies, even though it's a couple hours away. Well, we're not together anymore because we're going different places. So we have to go to the same place together to actually travel together. Secondly, you have to agree on the same path in a similar fashion. If you take different roads, you may get to the same destination, but you don't take the trip together. So you go to the same place. You have to take the same path. And thirdly, you have to do it at the same pace. If you're 10 feet ahead of me, or you're 25 feet behind me, we're not walking together. We're not able to really share with one another. It's interesting in the scriptures, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, 4, that we have these very great and precious promises, and that through him we have become participators in the divine nature in other words, we are able to understand God and the things of God and His Word comes alive. And so that when we talk to one another, there is this mutual understanding that those without the Spirit of God, they can't see, they can't know. And so in sharing together, you have that same place you go to, same path and the same pace and being participators by the power of God to take that journey together. And he walked with God, and he named his son Methuselah. He didn't name his son Methuselah so that other kids at school could, name, could laugh at him, because it is an unusual name. But the name has a specific meaning. I believe that it was a prophetic message that he was sharing through his son. His name means, when he is dead... It shall come. What an interesting name, right? You see, something happened. We think about Enoch walked with God and then he was no more. And What was it like to walk with God? Well, he was like this wonderful person everybody wanted to hang out with because he was just so loving and he was just so kind and he was just so sweet. He's just everybody's grandpa and he was just so well-loved. He named his son a name. It says, when he's dead, when he's no more, it shall come. What shall come? The judgment of God. Now, let me give you a clip that's in the Bible of the kind of stuff Enoch preached. This should get your attention. Turn with me to the book of Jude, if you know where it is, uh, near the back of your Bible. I believe I, it's right after, you know, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and then you walk into Jude. And, it's only got one chapter, so I don't have to tell you which chapter to go to. But starting at verse 14, we get a taste of the kind of stuff Enoch preached. <laughs> Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they've done in the ungodly way and all the harsh 
words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You see, I don't, I don't believe Enoch was the kind of guy that had a large following. I don't think he was the guy that was invited to parties and to be with. Why? Because when he held that baby in his arms, he had a meeting with God, and he learned straight directly from God that God was burdened because men had left him out of their lives and they were doing things that upset God, that broke God's heart, and that God was ready to respond to that and to bring his judgment. And so certainly uh, it, it comes to the very fact of Christ's return and, and his judgment at that time that, that's described in the scriptures. But closer to that time period, it is also a prophecy about the flood that is about to come. So you know what happened when Methuselah died. When he was 850 years old. Must have been eating some good wheat flour, right? Uh, living that long. 850 years old, Noah received word from God to begin building an ark. And of course the message preached that when Methuselah dies judgment will come you need to get right with God because the rain is on its way imagine how odd that sounded as a matter of fact there, it, it, as it describes there were only a few that even entered the ark most people looked at Enoch and Methuselah and Noah as just being nuts as being crazy as being odd but imagine with me Methuselah is 967 years old and Noah's hanging the door on the ark. 968 years old, Noah and his family packed the ark with food. 969 years old, the animals have arrived. They're boarding the ark. They're closing up the ark. Methuselah dies. Suddenly, for the first time, you hear thunder and rain. That's chilling. And it reminds us dads of a responsibility we have. As it says in Hebrews 9, 6, it is appointed for man once to die and then to face judgment. We will face God. We will stand before God one day. And the question is, what will we say when we do? Well, I've been a good citizen. I went to church. I helped poor neighbors over here. I never told anybody about what I did. None of that impresses God. He wants to know what you did with His Son, Jesus Christ. He, he wants to know if you understand you could never be good enough, but He has always been good enough, and He died in your place. God wants to know that. And guys, we have to not only drill that in with words to our kids, but our lives. That's part of being a godly dad in being able to share that. But secondly, not only was he a living picture, Methuselah, of the judgment of God, but Methuselah was also a living picture of the grace of God. I don't think it's an accident that he was the oldest living man. I, th I think it just reminds us of the incredible grace of God. You know, another verse in Peter, 2 Peter 3, 9, where it says, It is not God's will that anyone should perish, 
but that everyone should come to repentance. Methuselah lived so long because God, I believe God was struggling with sending his judgment. It was not easy for God. He loves us. He loves people made in his image. He does not want to bring forth his wrath, his judgment. He wants people to turn around, to repent, to come to him. That is his heart. See, you got these, this oddball family and they're just preaching the truth of God that a judgment is coming. Guys, we got to change. we got to get things right. And Enoch was willing. As he walked with God, sometimes it was only God walking with him. Man. For many fathers, uh, it's the birth of a child that just changes everything. Time to grow up. <laughs> Time to uh, see what life is really about. It does. It makes you think. Ken Canfield, in a book he wrote entitled Effective Fathers, tells a story from the 1924 Olympics of a guy named Bill Havens, who actually was a canoeist in the 1924 Olympics, and he just did a canoe by himself. He was expected to win the gold medal. And at that time, the Olympics was held in Paris. Havens, though, had an issue. His wife was about to give birth to their son, and the timing was the same as the Olympics. So he had to make a decision. Was he going to miss a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to possibly win a gold medal at the Olympics, or was he going to be home? the birth of his son to help his wife he chose to stay home the baby came six days after the olympics but here's a cool here's the cool ending to the story go forward to 1952 his son was in the olympics that year it was in helsinki and bill received a telegram from his son, that meant the world. His telegram said, Dear Dad, thanks for waiting around for me to be born in 1924. I'm coming home with a gold medal you could have won. Your loving son, Frank. We are the trophies of Jesus Christ. Missing, lost, dead in sin. And yet, through the work of the cross, we become His glorious trophies, His medals. We are the evidence of the power of the cross and the forgiveness of sin that is available and, and the possibility for a brand new start. What a blessing. I love just a couple of, as I close, um, a couple of statements about Enoch. I love this. One commentator said, for Enoch... It was merely a change of location, not a change of company. When it says he was no more. It wasn't a change of company. He'd been walking with God. It was just a natural move. <laughs> not away from the company, but from the location. G. Campbell Morgan, a British preacher of old, wrote, Enoch was a man who used to go for long walks with God. How did it end? One day they walked on and on, and when they had gone so far, 
God turned and said to him, Enoch, you're a long way from home. Why don't you come on home with me? A man who walked with God became a man who walked away with God. Guys, I can't think of a better legacy than for my kids to say one day, the God thing for him wasn't an act. Let's pray. God, uh, I thank you for the dads here, the dads who are listening. Actually, I thank you for all the guys that love you, who are fatherly figures, touching lives. God, empower us as men to be men. Father, to guard our families and to guard the people we love, um, to stand firm in the faith. May we be men of courage. May we be strong. May we do everything in love, Lord. I just pray you move among us, Lord. Stir us for your glory, Father. And for anyone, man or woman, who's here, and maybe you've heard the gospel and heard the gospel and heard the gospel and heard the gospel, and praise God, maybe today you heard the gospel, that the love of God, the judgment of God is real, but the grace of God brings forgiveness and freedom from the judgment we deserve. And all we have to do is just say, God, I agree with you. Forgive me. And that's it. Lord, you start a new work in us. Walk in the newness of life. So, God, what do you want to do this morning? How do you want to move among us? We just want you to be free to do that, Lord. Um, God, we love you, and we want to obey you. So just lead us in this time we call invitation or response. In your name we pray.